listening to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. My experience hearing people on the pulpit was that um, people are, we're okay with being honest. Am I, is it okay if we uh, get honest? Uh, let me just share with you one of the times of my life I really felt down and out. Okay, I was, I was at a small prayer meeting during Holy Week, which just passed. The week leading up to Resurrection Sunday, and I distinctively remembered how stagnant it was. And out of the handful of people there, only a few really wanted to be there. Some came out of routine, some came out of obligation, and uh, some just didn't want to be there. Uh, we weren't really going anywhere close to, the, to tasting the tangible presence of God because there was an air of stillness and deadness that pervaded the, the room. You know prayer meetings like that? Any experience? Yeah. But wait for that, okay? Um, there's more. And I thought, no, how appropriate. This is Good Friday. You know, Jesus is uh, going to die on the cross. How appropriate, you know. Everybody is looking a bit dead. Heads hung low. <laughs> And not a smiling face. And nobody wanted to lock eyes with me. I was a worship leader. <laughs> uh, and uh, contributing to that uh, deadness to the room. But it was at this prayer meeting that I came to see that the state of my life uh, was uh, not in a good place. In fact, it was, uh, I came to see it for what it truly was. And um, I remember writing in my journal. This is why I wrote. I, felt, I feel like everything I have built has been torn down. My relationships are in shambles. My world has crumbled. And every attempt to revive it has either failed or made it worse. I was at the peak of my helplessness, hanging on to hope like a thread and at the end of myself. And all this while sincerely giving my life to God's call. So I really just want to make it clear that I was really sincerely uh, doing what to do. And uh, I was trying my best. Yeah, okay, I, I failed and fell once in a while, but I always came back to God uh, and uh, acknowledged forgiveness that was bought at the cross for me, and I went back uh, to, to serving Him again, to the best of my abilities. And I had not given up on God, but I felt like God had given up on me. Um... Sorry, back to the script. And it was a really tough life, a uh, tough part of my life. I couldn't figure out why I thought a lot about it. I was a pretty good Christian and believing that God honors those who honor Him. And, and we, I believe that when we acknowledge Him, that He would make our path straight. But it seemed like He was leading me up this long and winding road with no respite and no destination in sight. No light at the end of the tunnel. No matter how hard I tried, it seemed like it was always night. And this is Good Friday. Uh, Resurrection Sunday is coming. I wrote, um, and then it was in this kind of a background that I prayed. I said, God, this may seem like Good Friday night, but Sunday is on the way. And 
Lord, my, my life is in shambles. My dreams are dead. My dreams are dead, but Resurrection Sunday is coming. Would you bring me back to life? And would you bring my dreams back to life? But it seemed like he, but it seemed like, and I said, Lord, Lord, even though I'm faithless, Lord, I believe that you are faithful. Would you please bring my life back into order? Well, Resurrection Sunday came and gone, and I was left just as empty as I was before. Jesus was alive, but my dreams laid lifeless in the debris of the past. When I could no longer find the strength to believe at the end of myself, uh, what I did not know is that hope, capital H, continued to live on. You know, I felt like I was at the end of myself. I felt like I was dead. And uh, none of my dreams were alive. Everything was in shambles. Uh, but I had to come to that realization that it was not me that was going to bring me back to life. It was hope. And hope would continue to live on despite us being dead. And this is why Easter was significant for me and is significant for me. Besides the joy of celebrating new life for our 10 baptism candidates last week, it is the symbolism of seemingly unfulfilled dreams with the hope that they will have new life once again and that they will be fulfilled. It was the symbolism that even dreams that were buried in a cold, hard tomb, there was hope that it will emerge in new life again. Well, I really enjoyed uh, being part of the baptism last week. Uh, Andre asked me to be part of the baptism team because uh, of a bad back. He needed people to pull him up. And I uh, pulled the people up after we dunked them, dunked them down. So, um, uh, I was, it was a really moving experience standing there listening to parents praying for their kids. Seeing that after so many years, their dreams and their prayers for them uh, week after week had come true, you know. And... Uh, see people shaking, holding their notes, their prayers, and really praying. And I was really moved to see that. And I, I think it, part of it was because I really felt like I wanted this to happen for my own children as well. I had the same dreams for them to be good Christians, and, uh, not just good Christians, but to really love God, and one day to see them baptized. Uh, but uh, I thought it was really interesting while I was up close and personal with the people who were going down to see that one, one thing I noticed was that the last thing that goes down into the water. Can you guess what the part is? Oh yeah, the toes are coming, sticking up, right? Well, when you dunk them down, there were, lot, there, there were parts, uh, uh, there, were sometime, there were times where the, the body didn't go down all the way and I was tempted to just push them down again, you know? Like, it's not a complete barrel, you know? You have to have a <laughs> complete baptism. <laughs> but uh, I resisted, I, I'm, I'm thankful I did. But the last thing that goes down is the forehead. I, I noticed the water would uh, come around here and then go down. And it, it was a very poignant point for me that, you know, it's easy to give our hearts to the Lord. It goes down in the water. But when it comes to our head and our thinking, the fount of rational thought, it's usually the last thing that goes down. Yeah. And it's tough to surrender our own thinking and our own thoughts, uh, the ways that we are used to doing things, the routines that we go through, it's the last thing that we bury. And I thought that was really interesting, and, um, um, and I, uh, I'm glad that I held myself back. I didn't push anyone back into the water, because that would be, uh, maybe Andre come and look for me. 
So I'm, I'm glad that we witnessed these 10 baptism candidates. Uh, if you're still here, we're really glad for you. You have symbolically in front of the public, uh, in, in the sight of all, um, buried your old life with Christ and um, symbolically risen in the new life that Christ has for you. I want to just say that um, these three days that seems to be the, the centerpiece of the Christian faith, you know, um, Good Friday to Resurrection Sunday, is just part of a narrative. So there is a narrative when we talk about um, Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. There is 30 years of Jesus being part of a culture that was dead. And then three years, another three years of ministry. And then the three days that come uh, during uh, Good Friday and uh, Resurrection Sunday. It's the same for our lives. We, we experience resurrection as the centerpiece, you know, while we celebrate it during Easter. But prior to that, there are struggles, and there are real struggles where we feel at the end of ourselves. And uh, let's put all of that into perspective, that there is a narrative. The same for when, we, when there's a childbirth, um, mothers who have given birth before, the, the point, uh, and fathers also who have experienced this, the point when the child comes out, there's this really special emotion that you don't feel any other time in your whole life, just to know that new life has come out. But there is a narrative leading up to that. There's back pain, there's morning sickness, sometimes not just in the morning, a lot of times also at night, there's cravings, there's leg pain, there's buying new clothes because you're growing, there's your, your tummy growing bigger, or not your tummy, everything growing bigger and bigger before the baby pops. And it also happens in the season of Lent. Uh, some churches celebrate Lent to put a narrative or a context to this season of uh, Good Friday and, and Resurrection. Lent is 40 days. Same with the children of Israel who traveled in the desert 40 years. And uh, this number 40 somehow has this uh, a special significance of journey and testing, going up and down, up and down, all before the climactic event of resurrection or entering into, into, into the promised land. So I thought that today I just want to really focus on this part where we feel we are at the end of ourselves, where we struggle and we ask the Lord, how long before we enter? How long, God? How long do we have to stay here? I've tried everything that I can, but I just keep not moving on. And there's a, I, I believe that there is a place for this in the church. Uh, we celebrate, um, but we need to have a good theology of pain and suffering. We need to have a, a place where we can lament and emote. Not too much, huh? Uh, too much, then a bit discouraging also. So there is a place for that. And let's, uh, for the baptism candidates, I just want to let you know and it get you in on the secret that this is just the, part, uh, the beginning of your journey. Uh, it's not going to be easy. Okay, it's going to be tough. And um, because God loves you, yes, He blesses you and He brings you into a good place. But because He loves you, He will not spare you. There will be times when you are tested in your faith, 
all for the refining of your faith so that you will rise up in new life. Okay? Uh, resurrection doesn't just come. There first must be death. And winning doesn't make any sense unless you have lost. There's this thing about paradoxes in your life. We will really uh, appreciate the good things until we have experienced the opposites, uh, until we have lost. So the, um, we can show that the, the title of uh, today's um, sermon, Stuck, <laughs> Living in the Tension of the Now and Not Yet. Um, I feel stuck sometimes, and this week I felt stuck. And I told somebody I feel stuck, and that somebody told me I felt stuck too. <laughs> and this guy was a, a guy in the business. You know, there are times when we really feel stuck, and uh, I wanted to just talk about and, 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 and have some space to be in that place where we feel stuck. In, in the kingdom of, the, the th when we talk about the Bible, we talk about the kingdom of God, and we talk about that the kingdom is now and not yet. Yes, we have received Christ into our lives and we receive his kingdom into our hearts. But we continually still pray, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in our lives. And the ultimate, the ultimate uh, um, end of, um, maybe not the end, the, 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 the consummation of this place where we receive the fullness of the kingdom of God is, is at the end when we come face to face with God and we... Uh, we are resurrected, re resurrected and, and live with him uh, in heaven and in the place that God calls heaven. So there is a journey, and a lot of times we find ourselves in the middle. And it's not always the end, though it's something that we remember a lot. But it's in the middle sometimes that we don't give enough attention to it. And I just felt that um, there are people who feel stuck, and uh, we want to just talk about it. Uh, so we have dreams. God gave us a dream that we would reach that point. And we traverse and we travel and we progress in the walk. But somehow, suddenly, there is a wall. I think uh, Pete um, Scazzaro, the author of the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he talks about uh, the journey through the wall. There is a wall and we hit the wall. We and for the first time, we realize, hey, wait, it's not so easy, okay? Uh, God has given me a dream, and it's been good so far, but we hit a wall, and we discover that hey, it's not going to be easy, and, and we keep hitting the wall again and again. The same wall. The same wall, you know? It's not like other walls. So it's that discouragement that comes about when we keep hit hitting the same wall, and we feel at the end of ourselves, it's like we have tried everything, but there's just no way to progress. There's, we just seem to be at the, uh, at the end of ourselves, at our wit's end. And uh, are, you, are you feeling stuck today? Are you needing some kind of a breakthrough in your business or in your family? Have you got an assignment, but you have run out of ideas? Feel like God has promised you something good, but wondering why is it taking so long? Well, the psalmist has, has felt it before and his cry is, How long, God? How long before you deliver us? It's not that you haven't tried, you know. You have tried 
So many times you scoured your history to think of what, what you've done wrong, a sin, a harsh word, not spending enough time with God, looking for every possible reason to help you to rationalize why, why, why has this happened to me again? None of the attempts bore any fruit. You feel stuck. You pick yourself up with every failure. You try again, only to have your face smashed right into the wall, the same wall, again and again and again. Now, who wouldn't feel discouraged at that? You know, I, uh, you know after you hit once, you, you feel like, okay, you can pick yourself up again. But if it happens repeatedly, it's really hard to be positive. It's really hard to start to, let's be, let's be positive, let's have high hopes once again. And uh, there is, there is, the Bible talks about it. No, it says here, it says in a part of the Bible, I'm not sure. It says, we see in part, but we prophesy in part. We see in part, but we prophesy in part. We see a part of it, and we cannot see the end of it at the end of the tunnel. But this is when we start to prophesy. I really like the word in uh, Ezekiel 37, where we are, we, when uh, Andre led us to prophesy today. Um, Sometimes in these places where we feel like we have a baby we need to give birth to, but we feel stuck and it's not happening, that's, where the, that's the place, that's a spiritual baby, okay, not a physical baby. That's the place where we need to start to prophesy. And there are other kinds of prayer that I will talk about, like travailing, uh, the, the prayer of, uh, uh, the birthing prayer that some people talk about. Uh, so I have felt this sense of despair before, and uh, maybe not to the extent that you feel it. I don't pretend to understand what you're going through, but I, I felt the depth of despondency, the degree of frustration at my impotence, uh, not being able to progress. Um, few things encouraged me, but I just knew that I need to keep doing what I needed to do. I would uh, go to work, come back, um, Say that I, I had to tell my kids that I love them, eat and sleep, try not to think so much about it, and the next day starts again, and I'll just keep going through the routine, hoping, hoping that someone would hear my prayer and come and rescue me because I knew I could not do anything that's anything of worth anymore. Therefore, I, I just want to come and offer some words of encouragement. It's not going to be anything uh, theologically deep or I hope some of it will be practical. Uh, but the first point is this necessity of pain. There is the necessity of pain, and in Romans chapter 8, verse 20, it talks about it. It says, For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the, the gl and the glory of the children of God. Well, here we see that the, the end of our pain and our suffering and our frustration is that we become refined and better for God. I, I really like the word frustration here because it's a biased thing. Because personally, I, I, I like, uh, I always say I, I feel frustrated. The word frustration, the Bible uses it. Some, some versions say uh, futility. But frustration, so nice to tap onto that feeling, okay, frustration. The frustration of not being able to adequately rein in my flesh. The frustration of having the need to keep on believing in unfulfilled dreams. 
And it's implied here that God is the one, not ourselves, not our own choice, but He is the one who subjects us to this kind of frustration. Okay, sure. Okay, I'm, I mean, because of the consequence of our sins, yes, we, we, we suffer sometimes. We do something wrong. We walk when the traffic light is red, hit by a car. We own up to it. Okay, that's our fault. But there is a place where there is no way to right what is wrong or to, or to make the pain or suffering stop. Because it is God who has subjected you to it. And I think that somehow in knowing that God is the one who has given us this pain and is responsible for paining us, there is, there is this comfort that comes from knowing that because he's so personally invested in it, um, that he will bring us through. Just to know that we are not the sole cause of our pain helps us to know that and to be confident that He will bring us out of it. Sometimes at the end of our lives, I mean, at the end of, uh, we're at the end of ourselves, we have no more confidence in our own efforts to try. And this is when uh, we start to feel comfort that we are not the ones who are subjecting ourselves to frustration. It is God. Moving on, another, another interesting element. So in this uh, Romans chapter 8, be interesting if you can read through it. It talks about there's a there's a, a, a groaning or a frustration that creation feels. Not just us, not just certain people, but the whole of creation feels, because it's somewhere we are not. We are a bit in between the now and the not yet. So there's a groaning, there's a frustration prior to reaching where we want to go. And then it talks about in uh, verse 26. That for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Uh, when I was a younger Christian, um, quite long ago, I think 20 years ago maybe, I read a book by Mary Alice Islin, Effective Fervent Prayer. Maybe uh, some older ones would know this book. Uh, it's still selling on Amazon, like in 2016, somebody uh, was commenting. I, I went and looked for her book. There was a review. They said, oh, how good this book is. Everybody has to read it. But she talks about different kinds of prayer. And uh, of course, she talks about prayer through understanding. And um, that comes to a point that she calls the second level, not that it's uh, higher or in any sense, where we start to pray in the spirit with groanings. And she um, likens it to childbirth. So I just want to bring it up that, you know, there is ways besides prophesying when we feel stuck. Uh, there's, there's ways to, prayer, to praying, to, to travailing, uh, a, a different kind of prayer that will help us to um, be in this place between the, the actual birth of the, the baby, the baby, and um, where you are. She's uh, put, I think she was the one who came up with the, the acronym P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. You just keep praying until you give birth to something, uh, you give birth to, to the baby that God has for you. Let me just tell you a story. Six years ago, in 2013, 
uh, we received the good news that Janice was going to give birth to uh, Ezra. So she was pregnant. And naturally, Janice uh, did extensive research on the web. She uh, went to look up uh, about giving birth and uh, uh, because it was going to be her first and she just wanted to be ready for it. So part of it was that we decided to have a birth plan. <laughs> so a birth plan is something that doesn't really happen a lot here, but in the US they have, you know, that kind of thing. After discussion and prayer, we, we came up with a birth plan. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's, okay, what is a birth plan? A birth plan is a document which communicates to the doctor and all who would care for Janice exactly how she would like to give birth <laughs> and what to avoid. So, so it includes uh, things like uh, intervention, how much intervention, no machine hookups, uh, absolutely no pain relief whatsoever. We wanted to <laughs> have a natural childbirth, you know? And we said that we don't want to do a C-section, okay? Unless absolutely necessary, there's danger to the baby, and then we will do a C-section. So that kind of thing. We wanted it to be as natural as possible. <laughs> but long story short, uh, nothing usually happens as we plan it to be. <laughs> it was a really long and hard delivery. Uh, Ezra was so comfortable, he just didn't want to come out. Uh, it was uh, really difficult. Um, uh, Janice didn't sleep for 36 hours. I think she was in labor. And uh, it didn't go as planned. Uh, but we, we, we after... After giving birth, right, we, we really prayed very hard because Shane has come to some experience. <laughs> you know. Um, so after months of dealing with this gnawing question, you know, why didn't it go as planned? And, you know, I really trusted you and felt like it was going to do like that. We even prayed about it, you know. Uh, God spoke to her, and, and this was what God said. He said, I was with you all the way. I was at the delivery table, and I was in the labor room, and I was there. I was there. And this was an epiphany for Janice. Suddenly, it didn't really matter how well the birth went, uh, 36 hours. What really mattered was that God himself was there with her. God is there in your pain even though he's the one who subjected you to it. But let's take comfort that he's the one who's going to take you out of it. Isaiah 32 verse, uh, 43 verse 2 says, uh, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not overcome you. In the times that we are feeling stuck, literally st stuck, you know, Ezra didn't want to come out. Um, it is really important to know that God is with us in our struggle. Nothing gives us more comfort to know that the one who sets us on this path, which we have willingly followed, is walking with us. That even if things do not go as planned, and there are frustrations along the way, it will still be okay, just for the fact that God was with us. In the, in the same passage, it says there that uh, God says to us, I have redeemed you, I've called you by name, child, you are mine. When we begin to belong, uh, know who we belong to, the other things just, just fade away. 
And God brings us to the place where we realize that the presence of the giver is more important than the gifts themselves. And this is an important revelation that when we belong to God, we don't need to hold on to his kingdom's treasures in our hands to know that these treasures already belong to us. And uh, so that was pain, presence, and the last P. We're going to just throw in some verses here to make this sermon legal tender. (laughs) Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and his perfect will for us. Um, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In these places, though it's really hard to have a changed mind, we need to try to reframe our situation and think differently and try to put God's perspective into our struggle. Next, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I ask that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope of his calling, the glories, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and the surpassing greatness of his power to us who believe. So we have power. I mean, God is in us. We have this resurrection power in us. But sometimes we need to struggle to believe in it. And uh, just coming back to the word, going to God's presence, receiving a word from the Lord is something that, is, uh, that will help us to continue to struggle on. It's something for us to, to hold on. Next, uh, Psalm chapter 27, verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord for all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His temple, to gaze upon His beauty. Once we have that word from the Lord, His promise, let us continually bring ourselves before it, stick it on the fridge, put it where you brush your teeth, remind ourselves that God has promised this. Encourage yourself in it and continue to gaze upon it. The psalmist says, when I entered into the sanctuary, then I understood. In this time where you do not, tr- it, where it's tough to understand where you are at, uh, come into the presence of God. Let it be the one thing that you seek when you come into His presence, to gaze upon His beauty and to remember that He's with you. In my short time at the city, I've personally and vicariously witnessed that um, there is authentic community here in this church. Amen. 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 And I've been, uh, I I think it's something that's really special uh, for me, uh, being in different churches. There is this authentic sharing in groups, which in turn allows for sincere prayer and encouragement. And there have been instances when community participates to bring in new perspectives. You know, sometimes uh, we come to the point where after we share, uh, someone's in need, then we just pray for them and then come, that's it. But I've seen uh, examples where uh, people are not afraid to give and to bring in new perspectives, to give uh, options to think about this. Oh, I'm struggling with my mother-in-law, you know. And then uh, people will bring new perspective into it, not just praying for this, um, but to see things differently. So this renewed perspective comes in community as well. And the community uh, not just brings solace, but it brings a sharpening. Um, 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Proverbs 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens the other. I just want to summarize and uh, give you a final encouragement. Uh, we've looked at the three, the three Ps, well, my three Ps, okay, yeah, there are a lot, probably a lot of more other Ps, the pain, the necessity of pain, the presence of God that is so important, and, and the perspective that needs to be renewed in these times where we feel stuck. And uh, I just want to encourage you that even though you are hitting this wall, that you're not far away. You know, you're not far away from the, the, the resurrection that is coming. You're not far away from the promised land that you will enter in. Jesus himself, prior to uh, being resurrected or prior to going to the cross and being resurrected was at the, uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane. That was his lowest moment, I felt. He was crying out to God, well, no, will you take this cup away from me? I cannot stand anymore. But if you say take away, I'm very happy. Uh, he was at the point where his, his disciples were supposed to be with him, praying with him, but they fell asleep. And Jesus said, could you not even tarry with me for one hour? And it was also the place where he was betrayed. Judas betrayed him with a kiss before he went to the cross. And uh, we may feel like we are in this place, but just want to encourage you, you're not far from it because right after that, that's when he went to the cross. There's a, some kind of a death that will happen and then there will be some kind of a resurrection uh, that will take place. This is the, the narrative. The second thing I want to say is that God is with you. God is with you. And in knowing that, I hope it will bring some comfort that the suffering that we are going through, the stuckness that we feel, the impotence that we feel uh, uh, is not for no good, uh, but it's, God is there with us. So once again, I just want to say that church needs to have a space for people to lament and uh, emote about our place, the place that we are at, we're at. It's easy to celebrate the high points of our life, but let's also have a place where we can stay and be listened to, uh, be able to give words to the, 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 the suffering or the pain that we, that we feel. One more um, scripture um, from 2 Corinthians. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. You know, after we come away from here, Monday will come, we'll go back to, to work, sometimes a lot of times, that's the source of our pain. <laughs> Seeing, of course not in my workplace, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Tuesday. <laughs> Only on Tuesday, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's easy to forget to, to carry the death of Jesus in our bodies uh, and to remember that this brings us uh, into a place where we have new life. Um, so I started this sermon uh, with the story about 
a prayer meeting that was dead, and I come to the end of myself. Uh, I needed really God to deliver me, and He didn't at that point of time uh, because I wanted Him to save me at Resurrection Sunday. You know, then it will be supposedly really powerful. But He didn't want to, that wasn't His way, and He will take His time. Because He loves us, He will not spare us, He will help us to complete this process. Um, this church, I feel, uh, I haven't, I'm, I'm new to this church, but what I've been sensing and in my conversations with people, we are at the brink. Uh, if, we, if, if I can't say that we have already crossed over the Jordan to the new land, I would say that we are at the threshold and we are really entering into this uh, new land that we are in. And uh, God, I feel like God wants, me, wants us to address this issue of being at our Jordans, afraid to put our feet in and not knowing what would happen if we do. And to be able to cross over it, because if he wants us to grow as a church, he needs us to grow as people. We need to have a bigger capacity inside us. And what better way to put us through suffering and pain and uh, to bear in our bodies the marks of Christ the death of Jesus. And I really believe that even, even as we cross our Jordans, uh, we will see uh, a growth in, in this body, uh, a growth not just in numbers, but um, within ourselves. 